Hey, Room 303 listeners. Are you looking for a way to make every game day exciting, even when your favorite team isn't suiting up? Then Thrive Fantasy is the destination you're looking for. A one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have options for NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports. Guess what? They even take all the research out of it for you by only asking about top-tier athletes in their respective sports. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is, baby. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Build your lineup daily and earn all that moolah. For NFL, choose 10 out of 20 player prop options. NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options. With PGA having new contests each match day, Thursday, Friday, and so on. Still on the fence? Well, here's the nudge you need. Use promo code ROOM303 when you sign up and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. I'll repeat that. Promo code ROOM303. A $20 bonus. Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes since launch in 2018. What are you waiting for? To be up 28 to 3? Download Thrive Fantasy now and prop up today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, episode 50 of Podcast Room 303. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morahan. How are you doing this evening, Nick? I don't I, I'm actually a little bit disappointed in you that you didn't touch more on on such a monumental episode. Episode fifty. We have we've now we're halfway to the century mark of episodes and trucking along. We've this this thing has been a uh, whether or not we like to acknowledge it, a constant part of our, our lives for for a long time now. Six months, seven months? It's no, I believe it's probably eight. Yeah, I think we started. No, what, in, I think we started in May. It was around the draft. Well, so. what whatever it is, yeah, I guess it wasn't. It was around the draft. Whatever it is, shout out to you guys for helping us get to episode fifty. We're we'll be here for another fifty more episodes with a with a big announcement to kick off episode fifty. Well, it's it's kind of a disappointing announcement, maybe, but uh, we're moving back to one episode a week. So we'll put out one episode a week. Uh, same time, beginning of the week, and uh, yeah, until I get back from, uh, you know, defending your freedom overseas, <laughs> and then when I get back from defending the freedom overseas, we'll take a look at it. We'll uh, we'll come out with uh, there's there's big changes on the horizon. This doesn't just mean that we're that we're putting any less effort into the podcast. It just means that we're we're uh, we're ramping up for even bigger changes. So video. Other ideas, stuff like that, is on the horizon. Yeah, definitely. Luna is, Luna, is, Luna is super excited about uh, episode fifty. Yeah, so. she said, "Get hype." Yeah. So uh, our um, date is actually May first, twenty twenty. So that is our anniversary. Oh, well, there that, we go. That, that's our that is our EST period date. EST. Yeah, established. You know how like oh, shirts. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Acronyms, ac- acronyms, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so today's no episode, doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Today's episode will feature trivia, 
which has be, uh, become a staple that all the fans love. And in honor of UFC making its ABC debut on Saturday, we've decided to go with a UFC question. And the question is, who has the record for most significant strikes in UFC history? And the answer is, in NFL news, these teams did not waste any time making their head coaching general manager hiring. And we are now pushing into the offseason scout. College football is over. Combines are coming. Draft talk, draft talk, draft talk is coming. Um, this is the make or break for the shitty teams and especially the ones who have, you know, picks in the top five. Uh, it's super important. So with that being said, you want to start hitting on some of these hires that came out already, Nick? Yep. So, uh, we'll start at the top or we'll start, uh, some of the most recent ones. Uh, so Brandon Staley just got hired by the chargers. He was the Rams defensive coordinator. Um, I really guess the, the theme here is, is he the right person to pair with Justin Herbert? Really? You wanted to kind of get an offensive mind to pair with a young developing quarterback, like Justin Herbert. I don't know if the chargers made the right hire here with a Rams defensive coordinator. Wasn't he the Rams defensive coordinator for just this season as well? I believe so. Yeah, so the dude inherits the Rams defense, which is latent with elite prospects and talent, and then plugged in, you know, a bunch of new uh, unproven guys and was able to create a pretty stalwart unit. And now he's moving over to the Chargers, who probably have an equal amount of talent on that side of the ball. So that should that should be pretty interesting. But as you touched on with Justin Herbert. More than anything, you know, the offensive coordinator is going to spend the most time. So I I, I echo your sentiments about him maybe not being the right guy, but you cannot miss on the offensive coordinator. Don't go get like a Marty Schottenheimer or a fucking Norv Turner. Don't go hire one of these 67,000-year-old old heads. Go get someone new and exciting and that has some interesting ideas. May may I just say I don't like Norv Turner bashing because because Norv Turner had Cam not gotten hurt by by cheater TJ Watt in uh in 2000 what was that 18 when Cam had his shoulder injury yeah and the and the Panthers were 6 and 0 or 6 and 2 he was balling with Norv Turner he was balling with Norv Turner right so Norv Turner passes, so, yeah yep um so the Falcons hired Arthur Smith, the former Titans offensive coordinator, and Terry Fontenot as their GM. Terry Fontenot, obviously a minority hire, something we like to see, and something that, as you as you see again for another offseason, the NFL is probably going to avoid uh, minority hires for the head coach position. Arthur Smith, I mean, I, I what what could we have said about this guy prior to the wild card round? You could have even, I mean, I mean, you and I were singing his praises when the Titans were up ten nothing. And ever since then, I am not sold on this guy. I mean, he'll be perfect in Atlanta. He knows how to blow leads. Yeah, he's got Kyle Shanahan written all over him, doesn't he? Yeah. I I, I mean, I, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was I was just gonna say, like you, 
I, I I'm I'm scared that he's too one dimensional, and he doesn't have a guy like Derrick Henry in Atlanta. Yeah, he. Um, the Titans were one of the Titans were one of the most run heavy offenses in the NFL last year, and it didn't change when you were up ten nothing, and and the Ravens were so focused on Derrick Henry that they refused to cover any of your wide receivers, and you still gave it to Derrick Henry, even though his longest run of the game was six yards until the third quarter when he gained eight yards. Yeah. He um, didn't read the tea leaves at all. No. When it came, I mean, good, I mean, good hire for both calling. of us. Sure. Good job, Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's classic Atlanta, but that wild card game was wildly disheartening. He had them on the ropes, and he had – he made the Tennessee – the Tennessee Titans used to hang their hat on defense with Mariota. Tannehill came in, and Arthur Smith turned that into an offensive juggernaut to where the defense was kind of lacking because they had a few key departures, and they just weren't balling in the same sense. So for you to not use that high-powered, high-octane offense that Ryan Tannehill was clearly – was clearly diamond out all year. He was balling this year. I don't know why they didn't open it up. Uh, I I would wager that Tennessee's probably excited to see him go. Now they can get someone who's going to be a lot more confident in being able to throw the ball on first down. I, Yeah, I, if you would have hit me up three weeks ago, I would have been like, man, Arthur Smith's a great hire. So it, it, it really is. It's a tale of are you going to take the bulk of his – Ledger, or are you going to take that one game when it counted? Because when it counted, he did not show up. And that's not what you want from your head coach in big moments. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, the the uh, Urban Meyer signed by Jacksonville as their head coach, $12 million a year, I think the contract was. And the they also, Trent Bilkey, or Trent Balky, uh, they Jacksonville got as their GM. $12 million Bulky. a year? $12 million a year. Trent uh, Balky, obviously the uh, San Francisco executive of the year in 2011, should be pretty good. Uh, obviously joins a Jacksonville front office in which uh, Shahid Khan, the Jacksonville owner, has outright refused to give up roster control um, until he finds a GM that is quote-unquote worthy of giving up roster control to. So that'll be an interesting situation in Jacksonville. And, and Urban Meyer, I, I don't. I mean, it'll be interesting. Will will he? You know, it's it's back to the old debate. Will college coaches do well in the NFL? And Urban Meyer hasn't coached for two years. He's been in a, he's been a uh, analyst on Fox, an analyst on Fox. Twelve million is bananas. Yeah, what's Jacksonville? You could have got, dude. You could have got Eric Bieniemy for like six. Because for like 50% of that, bro. Yeah. And there's no questions. Oh, my God, dude. And my thing is, it's like, has nobody watched Urban Meyer coach a game? He <laughs> makes bad decisions a lot. He won purely based on the fact that he could recruit, recruit and his coordinators would bail him out of, out of bad decisions that he made. I don't trust yeah. his time management. I don't just... Dis- don't trust his when to go for it, when not to go for it. I don't trust his like use of special teams. Urban Meyer's got a lot to prove for twelve million. This goes 
John Gruden's getting paid ten million dollars. So is this what coaches are going to be getting paid now? This is outrageous. I guess so. You could have yeah. got you probably you could have got Leslie Frazier, right? DC from Buffalo for, and it would have. Anyways, I'm gonna leave that one alone. That's ridiculous. Uh, let's move on. So the Jets hired someone that we're both very high on. Love the dude's energy, his attitude. The, he's a great defensive scheme artist. Um, that's uh, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, got hired by the New York Jets, which is kind of shocking because it's the Jets. You expect them to kind of go the, the ridiculous Jacksonville Urban Meyer route, no? Yeah, and I really – excuse me. I really don't think that the Jets are a good fit for Robert Sala, and Robert Sala isn't a good fit for the Jets. I would have loved, like I said in the coaching preview, I would have loved to see Robert Sala go to Detroit. I think that that did, just the Jets aren't a good defensive team for him to – I mean, he, he can build up a good defense, but I, I think the Jets really needed a good offensive-type guy to come in and, and kind of revitalize this, this stinky offense that is the New York Jets. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, I'll just say this, man. I see up on the board right now four swings and four misses for head coaching hires. The four that we've just previewed right now, you you don't like either, any of them. I don't like uh, any of them. I, so it's so funny that you said that about Salah in, in New York, and I hope he succeeds because I think he's a damn good coach. But, yeah, I don't know. They Sam Darnold's just SOL now. So yeah, are they, I mean, are yeah. they drafting Justin Fields? So here's what I want to know. Detroit, Detroit, who did the Detroit? We'll talk about who Detroit hired. But Robert Sala is from Michigan. And went to college at Northern Michigan. <laughs> like it was a layup, Detroit. It was a layup. It now, obviously, so- now, now, obviously, we don't know. You know, it, it'll come out in the future how the Jets got him. So, like, maybe Detroit didn't. Maybe Detroit put in an offer, and New York put in a bigger offer, and Salah followed the money to the Jets. But yeah, you got you got to look at that and think. I mean, Detroit. You had a heads. You had literally a a a leg up on the rest of the competition, and instead, you hired a guy in Dan Campbell, who is an offensive minded guy from New Orleans. I like. I, I don't. I don't. I, I, may I? I'll, I'll just continue this. I, I'd say the five head coaching hires so far, none of them has hit the mark. Neither none of those five guys have hit the mark for what that team needs. I like that uh, Dan Campbell hire, but that's just because. Well, oh, you liked it. Well, yeah. he he wasn't just offense or in New Orleans. He was the assistant head coach, right? So he was he was being groomed by Sean Payton for him to take this over. So I have a lot a lot of high hopes for him. Th- that being said, he's going into a situation where he has Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, T.J. Hawkinson. And they have DeAndre Swift and Carry On Johnson's a decent backup. They have a stacked offense. You know what I mean? So he's go- he's inheriting a much more, um, you know, 
situation that you would desire. It's a much more desired situation. Now, I, do I echo your sentiments? I can see what you're saying, but I like the fact that they also paired him with his old DC from New Orleans. They hired Aaron Glenn, who's the secondary coach from New Orleans, so he brought the, him in as well. And I mean, we'll see. But none of these, none of these are. I, I'm not very thrilled on any of these hires. Yeah. And excuse me, Jesus. Uh, and, and, and the last two that we're going to talk about, Raheem Morris was hired as the Rams DC. Uh, I mean, let's, let's see how he does. He was, you know, he didn't really impress his Atlanta's DC. So, uh, and then Marty Herney is, is paired again with, with Ron Rivera. They were together in Carolina. Now they're going to be together in Washington. I have a personal bias, bias, bias against Marty Herney. He literally in his two years with Carolina. Um, has had moments of uh, moments of success, but ultimately, when he gets around to building a good roster, he signs them to bloated contracts and basically runs the team into the ground after about four years because he likes he's a, he's a very player friendly GM and he likes to get players the deals likes to give players deals that are probably past market value. Oh, so he's perfect in Washington then. Yeah, so he'll be perfect. Uh, he's going to just sign everybody to an Albert Hainsworth-esque contract. Bro, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say Albert Hainsworth. Or how about old man Champ Bailey? Not young Champ Bailey, old Champ Bailey. Yeah, or old Josh Norman. <laughs> old Josh Norman, yeah, it keeps going, dude. They have a history uh, of paying. And then to and then to finish up the the coaching discussion, Houston and Philadelphia are still open. Houston has uh, interviewed. Obviously, Houston has has the the, the Deshaun Watson news. We'll get into in a second. They had the the tuft with with him not basically not even giving his list of candidates uh, the time of day. Uh, they finally ended up interviewing Eric Biemini. Um He's kind of the one. I think they interviewed Leslie Frazier too. Um, I think those are the two big names that they've interviewed. Philadelphia interviews Kellen Moore or interviewed Kellen Moore yesterday. <laughs> or today they interviewed Kellen Moore, a uh, couple of other guys, uh, and apparently the top of their wish list is Josh McDaniels. So we'll see if Josh McDaniels accepts a accepts a job and then promptly declines it. <laughs> yeah Josh McDaniels is the wish list huh yeah he's apparently the top of their wish list according to NFLTradeRumors.com wow that is uh, that's that is an interesting name to be linked to 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 Philly that is interesting uh, why do we do this exercise every year, though? I'm sick and tired of talking about where will Josh McDaniels go. It's nowhere. Josh McDaniels is not going anywhere. Right? Like, we get no. we get all excited no. about seeing this dude again. I'm like, no, he's stunk in Denver, and he's hiding in New England because Bill Belichick will, gives him coverage. Uh, so For sure. Josh McDaniels ain't going anywhere. Yeah, you're not going to find any argument for me. He's 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 very much like a he's very much like a teasing hot girl. She's never really going to do anything. She's never really going to do anything with you, but it's always like, oh, it's those damn jo- purity. Jolene, 
Jolene McDaniels is so hot, dude. <laughs> those damn promise rings, bro. That's what it is, dude. So All right, Houston let's talk about is, uh, uh, yeah. Houston is a mess to say the least. Not 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 just the Texans. Houston, the city. So gather around, boys and girls, and bring your tinfoil hats. Pull the rubber band down and strap it to the chin. Boy, do we've got some heat for you this weekend. Nick and I have uncovered why James Harden and Deshaun Watson won out, and presumably J.J. Watt after that. This is Rob Manfred's master plan all along. He couldn't strip a title that was already won. That's a bad look. But he sent in his agents of deception, his little birdies whispering ears of malpractice and malfeasance into James Harden and Deshaun Watson, and he's getting them out of Houston. Not only is he taking down the Astros, he's taking down the Texans and the Rockets all in one fell swoop. He's bringing the city of Houston to its knees because you do not cheat the game. Yeah, I love it. I, I don't. I don't think Rob. I he, Rob Manfred would have to do a lot of work to convince me that he's this smart. <laughs> it isn't 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 that the best supervillains that convince you that they're that they they pull the they pull the wool over your eyes to be like oh I'm I'm just so dumb it's just me dumb Rob Manfred if he really concocted this plan he said you know what Houston you guys do good then the door closed and he ran his fingers together like Mr Burns and started to crackle and said not only will the Astros fall but everyone in Houston will fall he uh he be- He's Kevin Spacey in Usual Suspects. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's he's playing the long con and he's getting the job done. He's taking Houston down. Houston has nothing to look forward to. It's just hurricane season. That's all they got to look forward to now. So, yep. so for those of you who don't know who've been living on the rock, Deshaun Watson is making news in – the fact that he's not answering any calls and not talking to anyone in the Houston organization. And there is no official confirmation of a trade request, but there are people within the Houston organization that have said they believe Deshaun Watson has played the last game in a Houston Texans jersey. And now we are going to see an NBA offseason blitzkrieg like no other in the NFL. We're going to see so many teams' names in the hat to try to po- procure Deshaun Watson's services. So we've already talked about a few, but San Francisco has been rumored because Deshaun Watson keeps posting photos of himself in San Francisco gear <laughs> on the internet, and you know how people, people take those clues and run. The Carolina Panthers have come out and said that they are front runners for it. There's been talks of Tua and the Texans first round pick for Deshaun. Heard first on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, breaking news on this podcast. There's move over, report- move over, Woj and Adam. There's reports of Chicago Bears being in the running for Deshaun Watson. And let me tell you this: 
there are so many juicy storylines from those four teams that I will not be mad if either of those four get it. Like, I won't be mad at all. San Francisco with Deshaun Watson is a terrifying prospect. I hope Deshaun likes losing Super Bowls, though. So if Deshaun Watson goes, if Deshaun Watson goes to San Francisco, then Jimmy G goes back to New England, right? Let's go! The Garoppolo Belichick band is back together, bro. I like it. And Tom Brady plays New England next year, so Brady versus Garoppolo. And then Cam Newton goes to Houston. No, I think Cam Newton's done, man. You think he's done? That's sad. I don't want it to be true, but I, this year was discouraging. He's yeah. never been this bad. No. Yeah, maybe Cam to New Orleans or some shenanigans like that. Probably. That seems to, like a New Orleans thing to do. To replace Drew Brees. Hey, man, we need a million-dollar quarterback. We're over the cap. <laughs> we are strapped, bro. We are strapped. $99.9 million over the cap. The Saints are going to be hemorrhaging star players this offseason. We're about to be so bad next year, it's unreal. Unless our GM can fucking pull pull it out of the ass again, but I don't know if he's got it, man. This one seems daunting. Yeah. All right, well, let's do it on that. Let's talk about the divisional weekend that we just just witnessed. The, The Green Bay Packers are the most dominant team right now in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I wouldn't want to play Green Bay. Like, I was rooting for the Rams because I didn't want to play Green Bay as a Saints fan. Like, they look – and they're playing in Lambeau. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah, they have it all clicking right now. And if LaFleur pulls pulls it out and wins in his second year, that would be crazy impressive. Maybe not that impressive since he does have Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, but, like, still impressive. Listen, don't take off your tinfoil hats because what what a move to draft Jordan Love and piss off Aaron Rodgers to the fact where he's like, oh, I'll show you, I'll win a Super Bowl, and then, then, then you'll be sorry. That is a conspiracy theory I can get on board. This is not NFL news. This is just conspiracy talk. In regards to that's that right, NFL. yeah, that's and so yeah, they they demolished the Rams, and then I think the Bills are the second best team in the playoffs right now. Really, it's not KC. I would take Tampa Bay over over the Bills. Okay. I'll agree with you there. I didn't bet against Brady this weekend. I'm a Saints fan, and I bet money on Tampa Bay plus eight and a half because I had a little teaser. Yeah, because I was just like, I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And then sure enough, look what happens. Like, yeah, so Green Bay, right, they draft a quarterback to get um, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers an MVP and Super Bowl. (laughs) Like, he balled out. The Bills struggled against the Ravens, as I thought they would. Their offense put up only 10 points, and you guys sat here and said, oh, they can't cover they can't cover tissue paper or whatever 
cheesy analogy you guys used. And they couldn't do anything against that defense. And then obviously you have the big-time injury to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, jury's still out if he'll be out of concussion protocol. I almost keep the tinfoil hats on. But I I see the NFL lightening the restrictions on this to allow Patrick Mahomes to play in this game. Like they're gonna know a thousand gonna, a thousand percent. Don't you don't even need tinfoil hats for this. They're gonna nudge the the ind- independent doctor, right? The independent like brain doctor. They're gonna nudge him. Wink, wink. Here's a cool milli stack under the table. Let my boy Patty. Hit the hit the, hit, oh, hit the yeah. field, bro. Yeah, if yeah, you think Patty, Patrick Mahomes Pat- is missing this game, they're gonna clear him. Patty could be cross-eyed and literally speaking with a slur, and they'd be like, "You good, champ? Get out there." Like, he's like, he's not, he's not playing. If if he's bleeding from his nose, they would probably be like, "All right, get out there and go get us to the Super Bowl." He's going to be throwing passes with drool coming out of his mouth. <laughs> he can't yeah, by the way, though, him, get, him getting up from that hit, I heard once one sportscaster, or, or maybe, it was, maybe it was a tweet that I saw, that said he was getting up like a boxer that had just been knocked out. Yeah, that's exactly how he's getting up, yep. Craziness. The Browns, the Browns the obviously, I, I I don't think there should be so much criticism placed on the Browns' decision not to go for it on fourth and eight. Yeah, here's fourth and, and, fourth and eight is way different than fourth and two. Fourth, fourth, fourth and eight on your own thirty-five. People were saying, "Well, you're going to give the ball back to the Chiefs anyway." Yeah, but if you don't make it, you're basically giving them a field goal and losing the game. Yeah, there. No, dude. The yeah. right the right call is to punt there. Like, yeah. Yeah, and if not for Chad Henney whipping out his giant schlong and running, literally making the play of his career on a third and 14, and then Andy Reid's big old friggin' baubles, his big old testicles, lining up in shotgun and confusing even the great Tony Romo. Andy Reid said, we're not fucking running this ball. We're getting it. <laughs> we're not leaving. He said, we're getting Kansas City style. Yo, dude, anything's possible, dude. He did it again. No doubt. He did it again, bro. Yeah, so, I, so give me your go. So hats off to Cleveland. 100%. Bro, 19-3. They were down 19-3. And they stuck with it and plugged away and plugged away. They made a 19-10. Then Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Right, and they came back and they made Kansas City sweat, bro. They made Kansas City sweat at the end, and they did it on Baker, bro. Because Cleveland couldn't run the Nick Chubb looked spooked out there. I've never seen a running back drop so many passes in my life, especially the two back to back. It was outrageous i think nick chubb had four drops in that game and you know they might not rule one of them as drops because the nfl rules on drops are freaking crazy just like the rules on catches like i feel like i never know what a catch is anymore but no cleveland has found its coach they found their system they found their culture 
they found their quarterback. Cleveland is right there to be, you know, to make noise for on a year in year in basis, you know, barring them making some Cleveland Browns like decisions. But yeah, no doubt. OB, OBJ is coming back. They are way under the cap. They're going to have the ability to make some key free agent additions. I mean, I like what I saw from Cleveland. Like they, I didn't. They, nobody thought they had a chance, and somehow at the end, now the internet's—they didn't have a chance, and now the internet's mad at them for not going on in a fourth and eight. Yeah, when they when they also got kind of shafted over by that, uh, that by the targeting by that by the targeting penalty. Targeting. Yeah, on the one where uh, Rashard Higgins was diving for the end zone and Sorensen led with his head. Oh yeah, yeah, we're talking about the same thing, but you—they should have thrown the penalty. They should have. Sorensen always leads with his head. He has a laundry list of dirty hits, bro. Yeah. But that rule with the ball going into the end zone and it's a touchback because it goes out yeah. of bounds, that is wild to me. Every time that yeah. happens, I'm like, yo, that, I still can't believe it. And what's so funny is I forgot. I think CBS was doing the broadcast. So it was Bill Cower and Phil Sims and uh, Boomer Esiason, I think. I think they were doing – I don't think so. It was the Tony not, Romo crew. Not, not the broadcast. I meant they were doing oh, okay. the, the halftime show. And okay. they were talking about it, and they were talking like, that is the worst rule in the NFL, and that rule needs to be changed. So I'm like, absolutely. Don't you have a competition committee? How is this rule not like – it needed to be a high-profile game like this, and hopefully that changes because that is – that's a wild rule. Like the, maybe penalize them and – give the touchback to the offense. Like you go to the 25. Yeah. I don't yeah, think I, that's, I, a, I don't, you shouldn't lose the ball. Yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. You, you're diving for the end zone and you like fumble the ball and the ball goes out of bounds in their end zone and they get the ball. That's what I'm saying. Any other time the ball goes out of bounds on a fumble, the offense it has to be touched. It. Yeah. Yeah. They have the to, offense. they have to, yeah, the defense has to touch the ball before it goes out of bounds. No, I'm just saying, like, if it's in the field of play and you lose the ball and it fumbles, bounce, bounce, and it goes out of bounds at the 49, the ball is just placed at the out of where it went out of bounds at the 49. Yeah. Maybe. So, <laughs> right? so, you're, so, you're, so you're, you're suggesting maybe the ball gets placed at where the fumble happens? No, no. I think you, you, still, penalize you, penalize them? Them. you yeah. still penalize them. If that's what you want to do to, to give the defense, you know, because the defense already gets fucked by all the rules anyways. But you penalize them. Instead of a touchback and it's the defense's ball, it should be it should be a touchback, but it's the offense. I don't know. There's got to be a way you do it. There's got to be a way. I'm obviously not on the competition committee, but, you know, you, you penalize them. It's 15-yard penalty. And yeah. Replay the down, so it's 15 yards from wherever you snapped on the line of scrimmage, and you replay the down. But to lose the football there, I mean that was that was oh, the, damn. that, was that the rule would suck though. Because like, mean? let's say you throw an 80 yard bomb, and the dude and the dude fumbles it at the goal line, then now you're just from the 80 yard bomb, you're at your own 10 again. Yeah, but you have the ball still, bro. <laughs> like, with if he fumbled it on that scenario, you don't even have the ball anymore. No points yeah. and no ball. Like, that's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Um, well, let's 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 talk about the this weekend then coming up the championship weekend. So obviously Packers at or, uh, Bucks Bucks at Lambeau facing the Packers and Bills at Arrowhead facing Kansas City. Um, the line the line Green Bay is three point favorites. Uh, actually, both teams are are three point favorites. Both home teams are three point favorites. Wow. That's because that's the default for home field advantage. <laughs> when the teams are even, they give it a they give it a minus three to the home team. Way to go on a limb, Vegas. Um, as dominant as the Packers looked, and the Packers completely blasted Tampa Bay the last time they played. I don't know if you count out Brady, dude. Wait, the Packers? The Bucks crushed them, dude. Earlier in the year. Wait. Yeah, the Bucks beat them 38-10 in Tampa Bay this year. Did they? Yeah, 18th of October. Did that All break right. your brain? Yeah, because I thought the Packers beat the Bucks. <laughs> no, the Bucks did. You, you you know my feeling on this game. I think the Packers are the best team in the in the playoffs right now. I love revenge games, and although it's Brady in the playoffs, I think that Aaron Rodgers is a man possessed right now. Yeah, I don't. So I don't want to bet Packers <laughs> for obvious reasons because yeah. I don't like I don't like betting against them. But uh, I don't like betting against Tom. But it's in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers is clicking. Devontae Adams is clicking. Aaron Jones is clicking. Like. You got to go Packers here, right? And what's what's the verdict yeah. on Antonio Brown? What's what happened with Antonio Brown? Let me let me see what's going on. What do you mean? What happened with Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown's getting an MRI, bro. Uh, he's questionable right now. Yeah, yeah, and they said that it's could be serious. Oh, that's not good after the year that he had. Yeah, dude. Bills, Bills, and Chiefs. I, I think this game really has to hinge on whether Patrick Mahomes plays. I mean, if we listen to what we're saying, Patrick Mahomes is playing. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I really do. I really do believe from the bottom of my heart that Patrick Mahomes is playing this game. Yeah, even if, if he's cleared or not. Even if he's cleared or not, even if he is still in the midst of concussion fog, they will still trot him out there because he's better than Chad Henney. Someone could hit his helmet on his head before they go out to play, and he'll still go. And he'll still play. Like you can concuss him again on that day, and he's gonna play. I don't. I, I'm firm believer in that. Um, yeah. Man, these so these games are so much closer than than we thought they were. I, like if you would have told me these were the matchups at the beginning of the year, I would have not. I would have been like, actually. I don't know, man. This is tough. Actually, it's not that. It's 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 not that. I mean, I, I you just said that, and I kind of just thought back to the beginning of the year. It's not that shocking that these teams. No, it's not like it's you, not. you the, the, the the one. I, I think for you, for for both of us, the shocking team that the the team that we were the most surprised by. I'm not going to even say shocked would be the Bills. But then we could justify. Okay, well they got Diggs. Allen's coming off a playoff run. McDermott's going to get that defense playing. Like we could see them making a run like this. I I think that if Buffalo plays the way they did against Baltimore, they're losing this game. 
1,000%, bro. 1,000%. You know what's crazy is towards the second half of last season, Kansas City's defense turned around. It was probably like week 11, week 12. Mm -hmm. And they turned it around. And that defense has been very good since. And they just showed it again against Cleveland. So I think it's going to be an obvious one versus one, right? Yeah. I'm, the, the, the problem is that I feel like the, the pressure is on Buffalo to, to score every single time. And that has to be just like this, this crushing amount of pressure. Because you, you have to – not only do you have to score every time, but you have to have seven, eight, nine, ten-minute drives to keep the Chiefs off the off the field because they can score in 45 seconds in three plays. Yep. If Mahomes plays. Which he will. Yeah, yeah which he will. <laughs> yeah. You saw that breaking news, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, honestly, if someone sat here and argued Bucks bills I'm not, I'm not even going to – I wouldn't even – Balk at it, but I know that Saints playing last on Sunday and me watching Packers, Bills, and the Chiefs handle business. So the ones and the other two, I knew the Saints were going to lose as soon as soon as I saw that because in the ones and twos never all make it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I was just like, oh, it's statistic, it's statistics, bro. The Saints, yeah. Saints are going to lose that. Now I didn't see Drew Brees throwing three picks and. That's a shitty way to retire, but, uh, you know, he's been playing on borrowed time for a while. Yeah. So I, so we're, what are we, we're, we're picking Packers Chiefs Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Rodgers yeah, versus Chiefs. Mahomes. Yeah. It'll, I, it'll be, a, it'll be an actual Mahomes though this time. It won't be a concussed uh, <laughs> he's gonna have in, in, in invalid homes. He's gonna have be, two weeks. He won't be drooling. The two out weeks of his to recover. Mouth. They'll they'll give him a bunch of cortisone shots to the head or replace his brain or whatever they do to you know to to make him a a machine again. They just hit um, it right like a television. Like yeah. A television <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of stuff in my life that when I hit it, it works again. So and no, that's not an abuse joke. Jesus. <laughs> all right dude <laughs> all right let's talk about today let's let's talk about a big thing that happened in the nba uh last week jermaine with the uh with the james harden finally james harden fleecing all of us by the way there 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 are there are there was a pick there there are multiple picks floating around the internet of james harden's last couple of weeks in houston and that's a big boy that's <laughs> a big boy bro and then all of a sudden he gets to he gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets, right? Well, Jermaine will go over those details in a second. And he's all of a sudden slim and trim, James Harden. Yeah. I what mean, in the crash diet happened, bro? He was a UFC fighter. He had to make weight. <laughs> he had to be had to make weight, dude. No <laughs> doubt. That's wild. Right, take, take the people through this James Harden trade. All right, so. Uh, Jamming with Jermaine is kicking off here. So the NBA made big-time news this week with several key players from different teams making an arrival at a new spot. 
So it's a four player, it's a four team deal with multiple players. The Nets received James Harden and a second round pick. The Rockets received Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodonuts Kurkis, and four first round picks and four pick swaps. The Cavaliers received Jared Allen and Torian Prince from Brooklyn. And the Pacers received Karis LeVert and a second round pick. Oh, man, there's a lot of moving pieces on this. So, obviously, we'll start with the big name that uh, Nick was talking about. We'll talk about Fat Suit Harden, or as I like to call him, I like to call him Cheeseburger Harden. And so, James Harden went to the Nets. He's already scored 66 points in his first two games with them. He had a triple-double in his first appearance with them. On his second appearance, I believe he had like 10 rebounds, 7 assists, or maybe it was 10 assists, 7 rebounds. James Harden is James Harden, right? We know what we're going to get from him in the regular season. The dude has a former MVP, and he is the second best one-on-one player in the NBA right now behind his running mate, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is – there's no way. You can't guard either of them one-on-one, and now they're both on the same team. And then you throw in basket case Irving. This team is outrageously stacked. It's Warriors-esque because Klay Thompson, Seth Curry, and KD could all shoot. And now you've got Harden, Irving, and Durant who can all shoot. Handle the rock and pass. Their biggest question mark is going to be defense, but the Brooklyn Nets have catapulted themselves into stratospheric proportions of winning the East. Then you have the Houston Rockets who got Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo was going to be a free agent this offseason, and he was going to be the name most likely to leave. Indiana wasn't going to afford him. It didn't seem like he wanted to be Indiana. There was a lot of offseason rumors about him not wanting to be there. So Indiana did what the smart thing and traded him because they knew they weren't going to be able to keep him and got something in return. I think the Rockets got an interesting player here. Uh, He hasn't been the same since his freak injury. Um, But since being with them, when he played against Chicago, not not that that's any – that's not top-tier teams to play against. (laughs) It's just the Bulls. But he did put up – They're a playoff team this year. (laughs) You heard it here. He did put up 32-10 and against them. So Victor Oladipo gives them something to work off of. They didn't lose James Harden for absolutely nothing. And it's even more interesting because the Pacers received Karis LeVert in return for Oladipo leaving. And Karis LeVert, you know, he's in our prayers right now because in order to complete the trade, you have to have a physical. So the physical was done for Karis LeVert, and it was discovered that he has a mass on his kidney. So he's out indefinitely from playing. Uh, This trade might have been a blessing for his life. You know, not a basketball terms, and maybe a basketball terms too, because he was going to be the starting shooting guard for the Pacers. So, you know, the fact that this was discovered now and it's not going to become a big thing, he's still a young kid. You know, he gets out in front of it. He can still heal pretty quickly from this. So it's a good thing that that was caught. And then the fourth team that, you know, doesn't really make any sense at all is the Cavaliers traded for Jared Allen and Torian Prince. And that, that team was included purely as a salary uh, salary matching process. But if I was going to grade this, I mean, obviously, 
the Nets receiving James Harden, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give a B plus because it can't be an A with the eight picks that they gave away, like four <laughs> four first and four swaps, you know, and they gave away two major contributors, right? Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. You and then Torian Prince was another contract piece that they included to, that they needed to get out. And then uh, Rodinets, Kirkus, they traded as well. So they sent five players away to make this salary cap match. They have one center on their roster now. And if DeAndre Jordan gets hurt, the Brooklyn Nets are in a world of trouble, and they are already not very good defensively. It was almost like Steve Nash didn't learn anything from his run with the Phoenix Suns where they weren't that good defensively. And he said, fuck it, we don't need defense. Give me James Harden. Although, if I could get James Harden, I'm doing it too. <laughs> but then we'll move on to the Rockets trade. The Rockets trade, um, I'm actually going to give an A- minus for the Rockets trade. And people are probably sitting here like, what? Harden was a B-plus, Rockets A-. minus." Well, there's – Contributing factors on this. This trade helped the Rockets get under the luxury tax. Right? And that's significant to ownership. Especially now in in another COVID season where they already lost millions of dollars and it's going to be even more losses on top of this now. So they got under luxury tax with this trade, which is brilliant. Um. They received four first-round picks and four pick swaps, which they needed, right, because they traded away a ton of picks to get Westbrook, and they had traded away a ton of picks previously to get Chris Paul. So that's that's some of the, some of my reasons is why they're going to get an A-. minus. On top of that, you get Victor Oladipo, who was an all-star, who did look like a next promising young star when he played against LeBron and the Cavaliers in that playoff run before he got hurt. And so they've got an interesting team now. John Wall, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, uh, Christian Wood. And they have a team that can possibly make some noise. And that's why they get the A-. minus. Uh, jury's still out, but the best part is, is they don't have to keep Victor Oladipo over this season, so they they actually opened up a bunch of cap space for future for future terms. The Cavaliers uh, D plus they didn't receive any picks in this trade. They did they did trade for Jared Allen, but Jared Allen is in he's almost done with his rookie deal. You have Andre Drummond, which this trade pretty much sums up. Andre Drummond is going to get let walked because he's playing on the final year of his deal. But then you have Jared Allen and that core, and they're going to have to start paying these kids. And so trading for Jared Allen kind of sums up the fact that Cleveland doesn't think they can compete for free agents and that they're going to be spending money on in-house on this young team. Jared Allen is a fine player. I think he's very, very good, and he will actually fit very well with uh, Sexland, which is Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, which is the backcourt for the Cavaliers. But right now, he's they have three seven-footers on their team, JaVale McGreen, Andre Drummond, and Jared Allen, and none of them shoot threes to space the floor. So there isn't a ton of minutes there. It's a head-coaching nightmare. You can't start Jared Allen over Andre Drummond. 
And so I don't know where you're going to go. So you can't develop Jared Allen now. The net, the next, the way for the Cavaliers to get this trade grade up is to ship Andre Drummond out, as well as he's been playing for them. But if you ship him out and you get Jared Allen in there to develop with this core and see what you have moving forward, then that's a big promising thing. Jared Allen next to Kevin Love with Sexland and in the backcourt presents a very interesting four and a core to build around. And the Pacers getting Karis LeVert in the second round pick. Uh, Karis LeVert's contract is three years, 50 million. That's all I have to say. The the Pacers got a B for this. They crushed it. Victor Oladipo was probably going to walk. He wasn't going to sign with him. And they got a manageable scorer who facilitator who's shown that he can be as inefficient as he is at times, has shown that he can ball. So now you pair him with Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Bonus, Miles Turner, and you have yourself a nice little core in, in Indiana. They can't compete for free agents. They already know they can't. And that's why this this actually looks really good for the Pacers. That wraps it up. Yeah. It's good good analysis. I, I wouldn't disagree with any of it. I, I would say that actually Houston probably – Probably worked out better than this. First of all, they 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 cleanse their locker room of 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 this of this massive divide between Demarcus Cousins, John Wall, and and James Harden that was starting to kind of rip the locker room apart in Houston. And if we they would have let it go, you know, a couple more weeks probably would have negatively impacted their season. Now they've got eight picks. They've recharged from the Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul trades, as you said. Uh, and they got a guy in Victor Oladipo who in Indiana was was you know was the guy and had a you know was basically the the superstar in the making got injured and then Indiana replaced him with the with younger versions of himself and he was kind of getting minutes sucked away by these young guys in Indiana now he goes to Houston where he's got good guys to play with in Wall and Cousins and he can just be his his normal you know slash and scorer that that what made him an all-star and what made him so good against that LeBron series a couple of years ago and 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 kind of lets him come back to that to that all-star form that that he was starting that he was starting to have yeah it's i i like like i said i really love what Houston was able to get out of this um from t- they took a really bad situation and made it made the best of it. You know, obviously you want James Harden. Let's not let's not make yeah, any abandoned yeah. butts. Like you want James Harden, but they made the best of it, and it's so funny because you they we might have to call them like the the Houston injury morgue or something because Demarcus Cousins, John Wall, and Oladipo are all coming off like pretty big time surgeries and injuries. <laughs> so. We'll see what happens. Like, but it's they've the, got, it's the Houston rehab clinic. That's what it is. <laughs> they they've got yeah exactly. They've they've got a promising future. They've they've stocked their cupboard with first round picks. They were able to get Christian Wood this offseason, who's arguably their best player right now. He just put up thirty two and nine against the Bulls. He is quietly the best big man in the league that no one knows about. Uh, this is where you bring in the Shack boys. Google me, Chuck. Uh, you got to Google Christian Wood. Christian Wood is an absolute baller. With that being said, though, we're going to wrap up the NBA topic. Um, Brooklyn Nets is going to be a must-watch team now, as if they were already. 
and we'll leave it at that. We'll break into our last topic for the episode before we get to find them and cut them in trivia, and that is Major League Baseball. So, if Nick, you want to take it away? Well, let's speak of it. Let's let's talk about trades for a second, right? And the Padres are basically trying to get an infinity gauntlet worth of of players right now. That the Padres are the new are the new Thanos to try to knock the the Dodgers off in the West. Uh, over the past months of the of the MLB offseason, they have acquired Yu Darvish from the Cubs, Blake Snell from the Rays, and now Joe Musgrove from the Pirates. You pair these two guys with Denilson Lavette Lamette, excuse me, and Chris Paddock, who in my opinion is is really the the wild card of this roster. He he's a guy that that last year didn't really pitch that well, but the year before that threw up a an under three uh ERA and, and is one of the arguably best pitchers, best young pitchers in baseball. You you have this rotation of Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Lamette, uh, and Paddock. If you take their twenty twenty ERAs, this rotation had an average ERA of three point one nine. It would have been the second best in the majors. And San Diego already had the eighth best ERA in the majors in 2020. I mean, the it is it it is very much like a Thanos-esque situation in which the Padres are just trying to trying to win by acquiring all the infinity stones of pitching. Yeah, I like and, that analogy. <laughs> and let's not let's not uh, uh gloss over the fact that next year they have to find somewhere to put Mike Clevenger in this, in this rotation. Yeah, so 2022 is when Clevenger is coming back? 2020, yeah, because he's coming back from Tommy John. Oh, okay. 2022, Mike Clevenger, who is a, a perennial Cy Young guy God for the Indians, man. comes back. Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Lamette, Paddock, and Clevenger. Paddock will probably, based on based on how the, the Padres feel about those five guys, Paddock will probably be the last man out, and probably would be a good piece for uh, San Diego to throw in at the trade deadline if they need a guy, if if they if they need you know an outfielder and they need somebody to to boost their bullpen and something like that. Chris Paddock is is very well regarded around the uh, around the MLB as a good young pitcher who has thrown quality innings in the majors. And that's always something that you want. Dang. So Paddock is on the block now. I wouldn't say he's on the block. San Diego, San Diego really likes him. He's a good young pitcher. He's the youngest him, him and Lamette are good young pitchers. A lot of life to their fastball, good off speed pitches. Uh, last year, Chris Paddock didn't really have that good of a year over four ERA. I think like a four five. Um, and his fielding independent pitching called FIP. Right, which basically it, it is what it says. It's ERA without with basically with errors taken out. So basically, how he pitches was over five, which is not that good. But the <laughs> year before that, he had a he had a three five ERA, I believe, somewhere around there. Pretty respectable ERA, and and that's where he kind of established himself. That was his that was his age twenty three year. So he kind of established himself as as that you know the. The good young pitcher. Obviously, he was fourth in the rotation last year. I don't see him being above fifth this year. They're 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 fifth starter. So fifth having Paddock as your fifth is 
is is insane. Yeah, that's mind yeah. mind melting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joe. I mean, so so there's nothing. Obviously, obviously, you Darvish is you Darvish, and Blake Snell is Blake Snell, right? You Darvish had a two point zero one ERA, went eight and three last year. So obviously, he's fine. You know, old age is not catching up to him yet. Darvish and Snell are both would both be aces on other clubs. They'll probably go one two depending on how they're pitching. Joe Musgrove is a solid guy who who will fill a lot of your innings out. Uh, he's probably he's probably a a you know a hundred and seventy to two hundred innings guy. Uh, he'll probably fit in as the four starter. They love Lamette. Lamette's a great young pitcher. I mean this I, this this rotation is is stacked. Their lineup is stacked. I mean they they are probably my second best team in the NL this year. Second best in the NL, really. You can't count out the Dodgers, dude. The no, Dodgers, the Dodgers are, are number one for sure. Yeah. The Dodgers have such talent that even with the Padres doing all these Thanos esque uh, signings. I still think the Dodgers are number in, in a head in a seven game series. The Dodgers win. Yeah, the Dodgers smack them for sure. Yeah, and it, then and then two two other pieces of news: DJ LeMahieu signed with the New York Yankees for six years, ninety million dollars, and Brian Cashman is uh, living up to his namesake because he makes that cash, man. Boo! How in the hell do they get this type of deal with DJ? I mean, you, you got to think that that something about New York appeals to DJ that he'd be willing to take that that he'd be willing to take it, or or maybe the the market for him is is not is not where where his maybe his agent thought the market is is not where it is. I I can't really explain it, man. This this is a guy that uh, I mean should have had uh, a. A, a much bigger contract, a, a much, um, I mean, he's, he has a career 305 batting average. He's won two batting titles over his career and he's still young. He's 32 years old. I mean, that's, that's not that like playing second base. You can play thirty. He can probably have two, three years more playing, th- playing second base at a high level. What? What's his age? You said 34, 32, 32, 32. Oh well, maybe that's why his market wasn't as. I guess that's I mean the, I, oh, that's the only way I. The, the dude is what's his career average? Three hundred five. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't. Yeah. Dude. Oh, the the Mets. I could see the hesitation from the Mets because the universal DH is not a permanent thing yet. Yeah, it's, it's coming though. It's coming. What yeah, a great signing for the Yankees! He doesn't have a lot of power. Like he's he's his high his highest is fifteen home runs in a year. He doesn't have a lot of power, but I mean three hundred five. I mean he gets base hits. He he's had two batting titles in his career, both in the AL and the NL, including hitting three sixty nine last year, I believe. You don't need home runs from every position. I mean that's a yeah. it's, it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah. But you don't need it. Like you need people who get on base, and if you're hitting three sixty nine, you said, three, which is yeah, three, yeah, high. He, he, yeah, he hit three sixty four last year. So sixty four last year and three sixty nine is his career high. Yeah. Oh my god. No, no, yeah. sorry. Three three sixty four was both his career high, and he hit it last year. 
Oh, okay. Either way, that is especially in today's day and age when you have these $300 million uh, chuckleheads running out there and hitting 260. 260 because they hit they hit 34 home runs or 40 home runs. I would rather take DJ LeMahieu all day, bro. And if you have a DH, he'll slot in perfectly for that once you once you get rid of Giancarlo. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean I I guess the I guess the Yankees the the Yankees um theory is that when you have guys like Judge and Vaught and and freaking Stanton, you know, you don't really need a guy like LeMahieu to hit a lot of home runs. And, and this is why it's, this is why it'll be the, it's the really the perfect fit that he can just be an average guy for them uh, and get on base to, to get driven in. And then the, the last piece of baseball news is, is breaking news in this podcast. The Blue Jays signed George Springer, former World Series MVP, six years, 150, 150 million, which, is again kind of low, right? No, not for six years. Twenty five million a year. Yeah, twenty five million a year. That that puts him like twenty seventh highest. Something yeah, that's like not. That. I mean, he didn't really he didn't really define the market though. Yeah, I mean, he's not a define the market kind of player. Yeah, I mean, he struggled last year. Yeah, I mean, I guess ever since his World Series run, he hasn't really been uh, he hasn't really been that solid. I'm actually shocked he got the 150. That's what, that's why I'm like, I yeah, I think I, that's appropriate. That's I would have traded con- traded contracts. Give D- give DJ LeMahieu the six for 150. One thousand percent. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent Yeah, Springer goes yard, but who gives, bro? Does he hit 364? Yeah, about he hit three sixty five last year. Springer hit three sixty five. What, <laughs> yeah. what did he hit the years before that though? Two ninety. He hits around like he hits between two seventy five and two ninety every year. Yeah, uh, Lemayhu. For me personally, yeah. yeah. Also, and then we'll, not a cheating ass Astro. It's very true, and we'll lead this. This leads right into the Feynman cut him, Jermaine. <laughs> Go the, ahead, the, the the Feynman cut him this week. I mean, you you could uh, you could not ask for a more of a hanging curveball than than this Feynman cut him. So Jared Porter, uh, two days ago, was the general manager of the New York Mets. <laughs> he was. A report came out from ESPN. That he sent while being the uh, while the while filling the role as Chicago Cubs director of pro scouting in 2016. Hell yeah! He sent unsolicited, sexually uh, explicit images to an international to basically an international female reporter uh, during his time with the Cubs. Uh, the explicit image was the final message in a string of 62 consecutive. Uh, unanswered text messages. Uh, he met the woman in Yankee Stadium in a Yankee Stadium elevator in June 2016, and asked her three times to get a drink before the day was over. She eventually stopped responding to his text messages. Hence the uh, 63 uh, or the 62 unresponded ones. And uh, he uh, he said that 
he basically said uh, that the more explicit photos, he, he sent one of his crotch as well, crotch in a bulge as well. He said, the more explicit ones are not of me. They are like kind of like joke stock images. Nobody believes that. So you and I, you, you and I, like, so, yeah, good. Yeah. I I don't know, man. It Like, 660, <laughs> and anyone that defends Jared Porter is wrong. 60 unread, 62 unread messages. Like, dude, there's ghosting, and there's, like, if she doesn't respond to you, she Bro, probably I- doesn't want to talk to you. You weren't even in her hemisphere. Like, you weren't 60. Six, she didn't even know who the fuck you were, bro. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Five, like, five, I, would you say the unread message limit is probably like five? I would say probably three. If you send, hey, three days in a row and you get no response, it's probably done. Yeah. Yeah. If it's between you and someone you're hooking up with, but if it's between you yeah. and I, I'm I've sent like I've sent like twelve, all sports related. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but that's fine because because we know each other. Just someone I, he wasn't even hooking up with this girl. He just met her in a in a Yankees stadium elevator. That's what was crazy when you said that. I was just like, no way, this dude, this dude is a well off dude. He's he's up there. He's successful. Like, why is it so hard for him to get a girl without having to send 60 unresponded messages, including provocative images? Yep. Our podcast podcast Mets correspondent, Mets and Jets correspondent. I'm I'm also just going to say we have a bunch of correspondents when really they're just our friends. Our... (laughs) Our our Mets and Jets correspondent said uh, that the the Mets and Jets will be forever plagued by people shooting their shots, as <laughs> as a reference to Brett Favre when he was a Jet sending sexually explicit <laughs> sexually explicit oh pictures God. to 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 female reporters. <laughs> Brett Favre, old man Favre, still trying to lay the wood, bro. Unreal. Jared Porter, Jared Porter obviously has been fired. He he is not the GM of the Mets anymore. So I guess our our Feynman cut him did its job already. Yeah, did it retroactive. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing to say on this is like, fellas, a dick by itself is not the move, bro. <laughs> it's not. It's not the move, bro. There's a reason why the Greek statues are all small little nubbins. Like, ain't nobody want to see a dick, bro. <laughs> I would I would go as far to say that if she doesn't explicitly ask for a picture of your dick, do not send a picture of your dick. Do not send a picture of your dick. Like, don't do it, bro. Unless even if she asked for it, even if she asked for it, maybe read the situation a little bit. And if you can go to her personally and show it to her in person, that would probably be better than taking a picture on the phone of your penis. Yeah, it's just not the. It's never been the play, fellas. It's, it's never, never. It's never been the play. Been, now this is what? now this is this is coming from two two gentlemen that 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 have, because every person has, and you just there's there's no there's no satisfaction after you send one. There's no like, oh yeah, I killed it. Hell nah, yeah. There's, dude, there's no, no, you send one and you're like, oh. 
There's no flattering angle. Like you look at it, you're like, this is hideous. Nobody wants to see this, bro. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I know she wants me to send it, but ain't nobody want to send that, bro. Like it's not the move. It's not the move, fellas. You know what the move is? Ordering extra fries when she says she doesn't want any fries. That's the move. That's better than a dick pic. Yeah. We here at Podcast Room 303 are here to put you on game. Yeah. Extra fries. Yes. Dick pics. Extra fries. No. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unreal, dude. All right. So, Jared Porter, you've been fined. You've been cut. Let's wrap up today's episode with our trivia question. We asked you at the beginning of the podcast, who has the record for the most significant strikes in UFC history? So this was in honor of the ABC event that just happened. So if you watched the fights on Saturday, good on you because they were outstanding. What a great card. If you didn't watch the fight, go get ESPN Plus and watch it. They were outstanding. But Max Holloway broke his own record of 290 significant strikes in a fight against Brian Ortega at UFC 231 in his successful featherweight title defense. In the featherweight main event, not for the title, Max Holloway went up, went up against up-and-coming striker Calvin Cater and put a whopping 445 significant strikes he beat the previous record by 100 and fit. Wait, hold on. No. Yeah, 155 strikes. He beat the record by 155 and still beat how many significant strikes his opponent landed in the fight. Calvin Cater threw his career best 133 significant strikes and was still <laughs> the differential. <laughs> between Max's two records is still bigger than his significant strikes. Incredible. So, so Max's melting of Cater on national television was so outstanding. He shattered eight, oh, sorry, eight different records. And those records are significant strikes landed. 445. Previous was 290. Significant strike attempts, 744. Previous was 515. Distance strikes landed, 439. Previous was 281. Significant head strikes, 274. Previous was 244. Body strikes, 117. Previous, 92. Significant strikes in a round, 141, which is more than Cater's complete output for the fight. Incredible. He outstruck him in one round, and the previous was 134. His total strikes landed were 447, previous 361, and total strikes attempted was 746, previous 541. Unreal. This man – so I was telling uh, Nick and uh, first podcast guest E via text, I was just like, yo – if you thought the Brian Ortega fight was dominant, multiply this one by like 10. He absolutely crushed this kid. And with 90 seconds to go in the final round, he was hearing Daniel Cormier and he was hearing, oh, I forgot who else was uh, calling the fight. I forget their names now. 
probably Paul Felder and mm, all right, my memory failed there. But he was hearing the announcers talk about it, and he stopped, turned perpendicular, completely disregarded his opponent, and started pointing and shouting at the announcer, saying, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. It's me. I'm the man. He was talking his shit while dodging Cater's punches, moving his head. Cater did not land on him as he was moving his head. It was unreal to watch. Yeah. So, kudos to you, Max Holloway. Uh, this podcast is a ginormous fan, and we look to seeing your uh, your trilogy fight with Volkanovski. Um, because clearly, after this performance, they cannot not let him fight Volkanovski again. So we've got sure. we got Volkov versus Aljamain on March. I believe it's March. No, hold on. Anyways, I'm, I'm not sure what the date is and, and the opponents, but after Volkov defends, then we should see Holloway again, and it's going to be something uh, fierce. Yeah, because Osman Sterling's fighting Peter Yan, not, not Holloway. I don't know who he's defending against. I'll have to get back on that. I'm looking forward to it. That was I want to see Max Holloway fight every card if I can. And at the end of it, his, post, his post-fight speech, he was just like, hey – Tune in next week for UFC two. What is it? Two fifty. Man, I can't remember any numbers right now. <laughs> Anyways, the UFC pay per view with McGregor versus Poirier is happening this Saturday. And Holloway said he's staying in Abu Dhabi, and if anyone falls out of those fights, he's ready to step in and take that spot. Which means, which means he would move up a weight class to fight those people. Max Holloway is a savage. I actually don't even want to see the two two lightweight fights that we have now. I want someone to fall out so Max Holloway can fight. Yeah, no doubt. Dude. Does anybody want that fight? <laughs> Nobody wants that fight, right? Versus Max Holloway? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. Max Holloway moved up once before and he lost to um I think he lost to Poirier before. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, it was when he was still the featherweight champion. He moved up, and uh, yeah, he played. Uh, Por- he fought Poirier. He moved up for the main event because Poirier's opponent fell out, and Poirier won via decision. Uh, but it was a pretty good fight. Uh, just Holloway looked out of his class. He didn't have the because Poirier had a lot more power. Either way, I still want to see it just because that would be the most outrageous thing I've seen in fighting. Like to go yeah. fi- to go five rounds and throw seven hundred and forty six total strikes, and then say, "Hey, I'm good to go for the next week," and have to throw obviously your fight game. So you would have to throw another seven hundred forty six strikes, dude. <laughs> Unreal. All right, with that being said, that's the end of today's episode, episode 50. We are halfway to the century mark. We're about eight months into this bad boy, and, man, it's been a lot of fun. So we thank you for tuning in, listening, responding, telling us we're good, telling us we stink. Um, Appreciate all the feedback. So 
again, follow us on social media at Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Room 303. You got anything for him? Nope. Hey, everybody. Have you ever watched a game and said to your buddies, I knew. Insert player name here. Was going to do that? Alas, the sports gods have delivered us a solution. The Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive is a -a one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app specifically for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier athletes in the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports. For the NFL, you choose 10 out of 20 player prop options, and yes, even Falcons players are available. For fans of the NBA, MLB, or PGA and esports events, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to complete your lineup. Thrive even offers new contests daily for each PGA event, meaning if your golfer doesn't make the cut, you'll still have a chance to win big. By this time, you should be asking, but Nick, how do I make money? Well, each prop has an associated over or under fantasy point total based on its likelihood to occur. But beware, the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. By racking up the most points, you win the prize pool. And since launching in 2018, Thrive has paid out more than $1.3 million in prizes. So what are you waiting for? Use promo code ROOM303 when you sign up and receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Yes, that's $20. And also, code ROOM303. Download Thrive Fantasy and prop up today. Not all states qualify.